HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Forever Cheese, a passion for great taste. Learn more at forevercheese.com. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. This is the first episode of our fourth season. Woohoo! So, Harry, do you have any goals for this season? Why, yes, I do. I want as many people as possible to find out about Time for Lunch. So, listeners, if you would leave us a review and share this show with a friend, I'd be very grateful. What about you, Hannah? Oh, I agree. That would be so awesome. We love connecting with new listeners. Um, So yeah, please do share the show. One of my goals for this season is to feature more voices from our excellent listeners like you. Yes, you. So please help us out by sending us a voice memo with a joke, a recipe, a story idea. Tell us what you had for lunch. And you can ask your favorite grown up for help recording that. Okay, so we have a special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Are you ready? Okay, what shape are you? I come in lots of shapes. My most important characteristic is that I am hollow inside. Okay, uh, are you grown or made? I'm made. And what's your job? I am used for storing things, most often food. Okay, and do I have you in my kitchen right now? I bet you do. I've got a lot of storage items in my kitchen. I wonder which one you are. What are you made of? Most commonly glass, but sometimes pottery. Oh, I think I've got it. You're a jar. Jars are so awesome, and it's easy to forget how important they are. Think about all of the things in your refrigerator and kitchen that are stored in some kind of jar. From mustard to jam, pickles, mayonnaise, spices, I store dried beans and grains in jars on my shelves. Oh man, if we didn't have jars, my fridge and pantry would be a mess. 
I keep everything in jars from chocolate chips to dried chilies. Harry, do you know about how to properly preserve food in jars? I do. Often, that's called canning, which is funny because we really use jars at home. Cans are used for food preservation and storage, but on an industrial scale. So at home, we use jars for canning. As some listeners may know, I wrote a book called Vinegar Revival, which includes a lot of pickle recipes, as well as canning instructions. And I co-founded a cooking school called The Brooklyn Kitchen, where we teach lots of classes about preservation and canning. Language is so silly sometimes. Well, Harry... Get ready, because I have a lot of questions for you about canning or jarring. So let's get into that a little later in the episode. Listeners, I want to introduce you to Andrew and Polly. They live in California and have a podcast of their very own called Ear Snacks. It's really cool. You should check it out. Andrew and Polly, you've been having some fun getting to know the jars in your house. Hey, Harry. Hey, Polly. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Andrew. Polly, how do you feel about jars? Oh, my gosh. I love them. They're so <laughs> great. <laughs> We're excited. Do you know one thing that's crazy about jars? What is crazy about jars? Right. Say the word jars. 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 I'm just saying, that is a wild word. I would never know by hearing the word jars that they do what they do. Hmm. Would you? No way. I would have no idea. Andrew and Polly, can you use jars as an instrument? Jar we can. Yeah, (laughs) let's do it. We have a whole bunch of jars here. Oh, I see so many jars that Andrew's brought up. Yeah. There's a teeny jar. There's a great big jar. Some of the jars are smooth. That one has some letters. It's a little bumpy where the letters are and the letters are coming in cursive. jar? And then like one of them has some fruit pictures on it. I wondered why why would you put fruit pictures (laughs) on a jar? It's not like you would put anything with fruit in a jar. Polly, that's enough Mm -hmm. about the way the jars look. Oh. Can we share with our podcast friends how these jars can sound? Yeah. Of course we can. Okay, so the first thing you should know when yeah. making sounds with jars yes. is that they are made of glass. And as we know, glass is one of those things that can break. Yeah, so be very careful and gentle with your jars. This is something you're going to need to do with your grown-up. I have this to tap them with, Polly. It's a, a little wooden stick. Cool. But you could also use a wooden spoon mm-hmm. or something else soft, maybe rubber, but metal might be too hard. So here is your standard tink, tink, tink sound. Oh, yeah. Tink, tink, tink. Uh, And then, of course, you can clink two glasses together. Mm, Very carefully. Very carefully. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a celebration. Sure, sure. Like a being together. Cheers. Cheers. Also very carefully. Yeah. You may notice this cool sound I can make by rubbing the bottoms of the jars together. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And even... These jar lids can make some different cool sounds. I'm going to be in a jar band. Do we start a jar band? Yeah, we should definitely start a jar band. That's what we're doing right now. We already are a jar band. (laughs) Jar, we're a jar band. Harry, Hannah, do you want to be in a jar band? Don't say no. We're We're in. in. Ooh, and Polly. Yo. 
we can even tune these jars by pouring different amounts of water into them. What? Like we did with Sarah Louise Calloway on our glasses episode of Ear Snacks. What? Check it out. All right. Here's a jar with no water in it. Now That's a bummer because I'm thirsty. Well, listen what happens when I add a little bit more water. Okay. I'm listening. My, my ears are open and I'm really waiting for your sounds. Now I'm going to add a little more water. That was not so much a tink, tink, tink as it was a, a ting, ting, ting. That was like a tang, tang, tang. I'm going to add a little more. Where'd you get all this water? My water bottle. Oh. That was my favorite sound was the clunk, glunk. Oh, a dung, dung, dung. Now, when I add more water, can you tell if the sound is getting higher or lower? Ah, okay. Well, first there was a tink, 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 yeah. then a tang, tang, tank, then a doom, doom, doom. Let's yeah. try one more. Okay. Even now, if you're listening at home before Andrew pours more water mm-hmm. and tests the sound of his jar mm-hmm. with more water in it, which is almost full, so don't spill it in the studio, no. what do you think will happen? Do you think the sound will be higher or lower? Let's find out. Wait, wait, can you make up a song on your jar you phone? Jar we can. Jar, yeah. Jar, yeah. <laughs> Not only hmm. could we make a song with jar sounds, mm-hmm. but we can even ask some of our friends what they know about jars. My name is Annika. Eris. Liv. Rala. I live in Seattle. Charleston. Bridge in Louisiana. Sunnyvale. So we were wondering, what's a jar? A jar is something that's made out of glass. It's a thing where you put things in. Something that you put in or you drink through. It has a cover, and if you bang it really hard, it breaks. What are jars made of? They're made of glass. Glass. Uh, they're made of glass. Glass on the bottom and tin on the top. Ooh, what do they look like? They have a round circle on the top. Top is round. And they have a circle on the bottom also. How do you open jars? You have to screw it open, and then when it stops, you open it up. You twist it this way. Which way? Left. If you twist it, white righty tie is closed. Lefty loosey, Calvin Harry. Lucy Calvin Harry. They make these tingy sounds. Ting, ting, ting. Ting, 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 ting. So what can you do with a jar? Use it to store food or other things like that. Can, can we copy? Really small pets. Tomato sauce, What a fun visit from our friends, Andrew and Polly of Ear Snacks. 
Now be sure to check out their podcast at earsnacks.org. We'll also include a link to their podcast feed in our show notes. So make sure to check them out and click subscribe. Now it's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in this episode, so listen carefully. What year was a modern mason jar patented? Hey, wait a second. Harry, do you know what it means when something is patented? I think that's when you have a great idea, right? Yes. Patented means that if you have a great idea for a tool, like a mason jar, you can register that idea so that other people can't steal it without asking first and giving you credit for it. Like if I invented a flying car that was unique and not like any vehicle ever, I should file a patent for it. Oh, that's cool. Can I ride in your flying car? Definitely. Listeners, keep an ear out for the answer. Stay tuned. We have a lot more about jars coming up after a short break. This episode is brought to you by Forever Cheese. Forever Cheese has been a pioneer in the specialty food industry for over 20 years. They source the most exceptional, authentic, and creative artisan cheese and accompaniments from Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Croatia. Every product they carry is thoughtfully hand-selected from their trusted producers in Europe. The standards of Forever Cheese are legendary. Many of their products, including Drunken Goat, Genuine Fulvi Pecorino Romano, Mitica Marcona Almonds, and Fig and Date Cakes are now integral to today's market. You can learn more about their product lineup at forevercheese.com. Forever Cheese is proud of their role as a trusted authority in the specialty cheese world. Their philosophy is to put passion behind everything they do, from finding the best products to celebrating those who make them. Forever Cheese, a passion for great taste. Thanks to Forever Cheese for supporting this episode. Learn more at forevercheese.com. Welcome back to Time for Lunch. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, my darling co-host Harry is something of an expert on canning, aka jarring foods. And that's something that I know nothing about and is a super useful skill to learn if you want to make jam or pickles or tomato sauce that you can store in your pantry for a long time. So, Harry, let's talk about canning. Canning is super cool. We learned about pickles and fermentation earlier on the show um, with our episode with Richard's Famous Food Podcast, and jars come in super handy for that. Um, But we might want to make something different. I love to have my pantry stocked with jarred food because it can last a really long time out of the fridge. Now, Harry, what is it about jars, like mason jars, that make them perfect for storing food for long periods of time? That's a great question, Hannah. When we're preserving foods, we're trying to limit the spread of microbes that can spoil the food by making it rot which is gross, or even worse, there are some microbes that produce substances that can poison people and make them very sick. So we want to keep those microbes out and store our food in a place that they don't want to live. One of the most important things a jar does is keep out the air and oxygen that many of the harmful microbes need to survive. Glass, in particular, is great at sealing off the food inside from the outside world. Ugh, I don't want any cooties in my jars. That's super cool. Now let's talk a little bit about the science behind canning, or let's just call it jarring. 
I don't know a lot about drawing things, as I mentioned, but I do know that the most important thing you have to start with is a very clean jar. Now, can you walk me through what comes next? Right, so a clean container is very important, and often we'll heat up our jars in boiling water because there's almost nothing that can live in that kind of heat, and we want to make sure there aren't any teeny tiny microbes hiding out before we even start to fill our jar with delicious food. The other important thing in home canning projects is the use of salt or sugar and acidity meaning that the foods inside have to be something that will make your mouth pucker, like when you suck on a lemon. In the case of pickles, we use vinegar to preserve the foods and make them more delicious, and the microbes hate vinegar and can't survive in there. Salt and sugar also help to make the environment inhospitable for them by making it so that they can't survive. Think of things like jelly and jam, or capers, or ketchup, mustard, other condiments. They all have salt, sugar, or vinegar, and sometimes all three. You just named some of my favorite things in my fridge. So now you know that something saved in a jar is safely sealed by the wonderful popping noise that the lid makes when you first open it up. Now, Harry, what the heck makes that sound? We're talking about making foods shelf-stable in jars, meaning they don't have to be in the refrigerator until they're open and exposed again to the air. The lid is sucked down onto the top rim of the jar by the force of a vacuum. Wait, do you mean like the vacuum that we clean the floor with? Sort of. Vacuum means a sucking force. So the vacuum in the jar is created when, as part of the canning process, you heat the jar with the pickles or jam in it. You fill the jar and you leave a little bit of room at the top before you put the lid on. Then, when the lid is on, you submerge the jar in a pot of boiling water. And when you heat something, it expands, meaning it gets a little bigger. So the jam grows just a little bit. And since the lid is on the jar, the expanding jam pushes a few little bubbles out of the jar past the edge of the lid. When you remove the jar and you let it cool, you get to hear that popping sound as the jam contracts and gets smaller again, and it sucks the lid on really tight. This is one of the ways we know that we did it right when we're doing home canning. So, if you jar up some jam or jelly or pickles or tomato sauce at home, you get to hear that satisfying pop twice, once when you make it and again when you open it. That's so cool. This sounds like a really great activity to try out with your favorite grown-up. My guess is it's probably not something that listeners should try on their own, since you've got to boil some water. It is super fun, and it's a great way to save foods like tomatoes and berries when they're ripe and plentiful so you can eat them later. Adults, you can check out your local USDA agricultural extension or online resources for recipes and detailed instructions, and we'll post some links on our show page. Awesome. Hey, Harry, jar you ready for a dance break? Yes, I am. Let's make it a hot jam. Candy? Candy jars? Legos? So you can also maybe make a musical instrument. Lots of things. What would happen if you put something you usually put in a jar, like mayonnaise, in a bag? It would be messy and yucky. It would leak. It would make it soggy. You have a mess! Yeah. 
John Landis Mason of Vineland, New Jersey, patented his Mason's Jar in 1858. Mr. Mason was actually a tinsmith, not a glassmaker, and he invented the lid of his eponymous, that means named after him, jar first. The basic form of the mason jar has been the same as it is today since 1913. Jars made of earthenware, like clay and stoneware, that kind of thing, they've been made for millennia, which is like thousands of years, to store food and beverages. There are some foods that are traditionally made in jars, like the fermentation of vinegar, kimchi, bean pastes, and other foods in places like Korea and China, and that's been happening for a long time. Yum! We have another special treat today. Author Eugenia Bone is going to give us her recipe for strawberry jam. And guess what? It goes in jars. I grew up across the street from Eugenia and her family in Katona, New York, a long time ago. And it's so cool that all these years later, we get to connect about food. Hi, my name is Eugenia Bone, and I put foods up in jars all the time. And one of my favorites is strawberry jam. I do that every spring when the strawberries come in and they're their most juicy. So to put up strawberry jam is really safe and easy because strawberries are acidic. You know, they're tart, even though they're sweet. So here's how you would go about doing that. Try to pick the strawberries. That's the most fun. But if you can't, buy some fresh spring strawberries. They'll be around through June. And then you combine those strawberries, four cups of strawberries. You've taken off the little, uh, the little green leaves, and then you combine those four cups of strawberries with two and a half cups of sugar. You put those strawberries into a deep, heavy-bottomed pot, a really heavy pot, maybe the one that takes two hands to lift, and you put it on the stove, and you turn on the heat to about medium, not too high, not too low. And you let those strawberries cook a little and they're going to start to melt and all of their juices start to come out. And once those strawberries and their juices start to boil, then you add that two and a half cups of sugar and you stir, stir, stir until the sugar is dissolved. And then you bring the strawberries and sugar back to a boil and you add the teeniest little bit of unsalted butter, just a little teeny bit. And the reason why you do that is because those boiling strawberries and sugar can get very foamy. And if you turn around and go do something else, you might come back to find strawberry foam boiling all over your stove, which is a big mess. So that little bit of butter keeps the foam down. And then you turn down the heat to a medium-low and you very gently boil the jam for about 30 minutes until it is thick, but still loose and soft. And then in the meantime, you want to collect three little half-pint jars. They're small jars, jelly jars. And when you buy those jars, they'll have a band and a lid. The lid is like a little flat disc with a rubberized part around the edge. And the 
Um, and the band is like the screw-on part. So a jar has the three parts, the glass jar, a lid, and a screw-on band. And you have to boil that um, jar and the screw-on band for about 10 minutes um, at sea level. So you need to, if you live in the, the Rocky Mountains, you're going to have to boil it a little longer. And you boil those jars in order to sterilize them, to make sure there's no little microscopic critters that are present and could end up um, uh, spoiling your jam. And then you take the lid and you just dip it in that boiling water to soften the rubber on the inside of the lid. So when the jars are still hot, you take them out. Well, you take the jars out of the boiling water. And while they're still hot, you're going to fill them with the strawberries. You want to use a slotted spoon so that you don't get too much of the liquid from your strawberry jam into the jars. You want mainly strawberries. And you're going to fill that jar to about, oh, like a half an inch from the top. You need to give a little space in the top of that jar for air to escape when you can it. And then you wipe the rims so that there's no gunk on the edges because that can disrupt the seal for your jars. And then you place the lid on top and then you screw on the band, fingertip tight, not too hard. Don't crank it down because air is gonna escape from that jar while it's in the processing stage. And then you put that jar, you can fill all three of your half pint jars, and you're going to put that jar into a big pot with a rack in the bottom and fill that pot with warm water about three inches higher than the tops of the jar. And you're going to bring that to a boil and you're going to boil those jars for about 10 minutes. And then Turn off the heat, remove the jars very carefully. They're going to be hot and even boiling inside and let them rest on a dish towel for about, oh, six hours overnight. When they're totally cool, you can check the seals to make sure those jars have, um, have vacuum packed tight. And if the seals don't pop off when you grab the edge, you can put them on the shelf and they're good for a year. But once you open them, if you don't eat all of that strawberry jam, you have to put it in the fridge. Be safe and enjoy making jam in jars. Okay, it is almost the end of the episode, but before we say goodbye, Harry, what's a bright spot from your week? Or we could even say from our whole season break, because it's been a while. It's true. It has been a while. For me, a bright spot recently, both literally and figuratively, is the sun. It feels so nice to be outside in the sun now that it's actually spring. And even if it's only around 50 degrees out, it still feels warm. 
I always find it so interesting that it can feel cold in the summer if it's 60 degrees in your house and the air conditioning is on, and hot outside when it's only 50 degrees in the spring. Yeah, that is interesting. It's crazy how accustomed things our bodies can get after a long, cold winter. Um, I have to say the sun has also been making me very, very happy this week. Um, and with the sun and the arrival of spring, I think my bright spot for this week has been getting to watch nature wake up from its winter sleepiness. I have been seeing so many new birds at my bird feeder. I've been seeing squirrels digging for nuts. And the day before yesterday, through my living room window, which looks out onto a very beautiful lake, I saw a bald eagle swoop down and snatch a fish out of the lake. And that was literally the very first day that all the ice on the lake had melted. So you know that eagle had been waiting for months and months and months to get some fish. And that was pretty magical. That's amazing. I love seeing all the wildlife wake up at the beginning of spring. At the beginning of the episode, we asked, What year was a modern mason jar patented? And the answer is... John Landis Mason of Vineland, New Jersey, patented his mason's jar in 1858. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch today. We'll be back next week with more tasty stories. This show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden, with engineering by Liam Werner. Music in this episode was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our fun facts theme was created by our very own Liam Werner. Special thanks this week to Andrew and Polly at Earsnacks, along with Annika, Aris, Liv, and Rala, who appeared in the Earsnacks segment, and to Allison Holly, who edited that piece. Thanks to Eugenia Bone for the strawberry jam recipe. Check out eugeniabone.com for more on her writing and recipes. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Time for Lunch is also a part of Kids Listen, the number one app for finding great podcasts for kids of all ages. You can learn more at kidslisten.org, and you can download the app from iTunes or the Google Play Store. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. And please, please, please stay in touch. And just a reminder, like we said at the top of the episode, leave us a review or tell your bestest friend to listen to Time for Lunch. You can send us a joke you'd like to share or tell us what you had for lunch. We love to hear from you. It's super easy to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone, or you can just take a video. Ask your favorite grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include your name, age, and your address so we can send you a little something in return. Time for Lunch is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Thanks for listening.